some holy bread. Grab your coffee and your Bible. Today is Thursday. It is October the 6th, year of our Lord, 2022. This is Daybreak Live with the Nesbits. One, two, three, four.
Amen. Woo! Praise the Lord. All right. Good to be with you this Thursday morning. I thought Vessel would be a good one for us to sing. Goodness, I'm hung up. I thought Vessel would be a good one for us to sing as we get into talking about the two witnesses. We all need to be witnesses for the Lord. And uh, as we get into Revelation chapter 11, boy, life is busy for us at the moment. Uh, but it is good to be here with you this morning to have a few moments to spend. And yes, I'm dressed up quite a bit this morning, but it's because uh, Lisa and I have to leave out. We're heading to McMinnville. We're going to meet up with Sister Denise, and we're going to head to McMinnville, and we're going uh, just a big church gathering. Uh, anyway, it's a long story, but place we got to go. So anyway... I want to say this to you as we get started this morning. Maybe that song vessel is about, well, I mean, I wrote it. It's, it's really, we wrote it about my life, really, and how that, you know, sometimes we, even we can serve the Lord and, and be faithful to the Lord, but then we go through a hard time, and that's, that's what happened in my life, and I went through a terrible time. And uh, believe that I couldn't be used by God anymore. But I want you to understand that there's this wonderful thing in Scripture we've been talking about as we've been going through at least, you know, it's chapters 8, 9, and 10, repentance. This is a beautiful thing that if we repent, we turn to the Lord. If we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And it is hard when you've made big mistakes the enemy, and the enemy uses a lot of avenues, uh, not only does he whisper in your ear, but he whispers through other people that God can never use you again. And I'm saying this because I think somebody's going to watch this daybreak that thinks that they've uh, blown it and they can never be used by God again. And I want to say, I've been there. I understand what you're going through. Do not believe the lies of the enemy. Turn to the Lord. Totally submit to him, sweet surrender, and cry out to him, and he will make you a vessel that he can use, okay? And just trust him, just trust him. That's what the blood of Jesus is about. The, the entirety of the scripture is about God using fallen mankind. The only one in the scripture that, that wasn't fallen was Jesus, Yeshua. That's the only one. The rest, fallen men. And the Bible is very clear about pulling out their failures, and yet God uses them. So God can use you. God can use me. God can use us if we submit to him. Amen. Turn, give our hearts to him, and God can use us again. So anyway, we're in Revelation chapter 11 now. And as we finished out chapter 10, we saw uh, that... The book was bitter and sweet. We talked about why it was bitter and why it was sweet. And then he's told, you're going to prophesy. You've got work to do, John. You've got a lot of work to do. And then we get to chapter 11, and he, and here's how it begins. We're going to go ahead and read six verses today because I, I think I don't really know another way to teach this one. 
It says in chapter 11, verse 1, Then I was given a reed like a measuring rod. And the angel stood, saying, Rise and measure the temple of God, the altar, and those who worship there. But leave out the court which, out, which is outside the temple. Do not measure it, for it has been given to the Gentiles, and they will tread the holy city underfoot 42 months. And I will give power to my two witnesses, and they will prophesy 1,260 days, clothed in sackcloth. These are the two olive trees and the two lampstands standing before the God of the earth. If anyone wants to harm them, fire proceeds from their mouth and devours their enemies. If anyone wants to harm them, he must be killed in this manner. These have power to shut heaven so that no rain falls in the days of their prophecy. Days, plural, of their prophecy. They have power over waters to turn them to blood and to strike the earth with all plagues as often as they will. So here's the image. We'll stop there. The image is these two witnesses, these supernatural empowered witnesses are given power. They're given power from the Lord. They're given authority from the Lord. And once the Lord, as the Lord gives them authority, they have the authority. It says as often as they will. So once God gives them, once they come to power and they rise in power, God gives them authority to smite the earth as often as they desire to. That's powerful. So let's let's back up and begin at verse 1. And he says, rise and measure the temple of God and the altar and those who worship there. Now, this is very interesting. If you hold as I do, and I don't know what you guys hold to. If you hold that this book of the revelation of Jesus Christ was written about 95 A.D., then this is very interesting because... If it's written in 95, 96 A.D., by this time that John is writing, the temple has been destroyed. Titus, though Titus himself uh, stayed back, but the armies of Titus, whom he ruled over, destroyed the city. The temple has been destroyed. The only thing left is what, or what they believe, is the Western Wailing Wall, if if you ever go to Jerusalem, I've been there. If you ever go to Jerusalem, the Western Wailing Wall, and people still go and cry and sigh and pray there at the wall. And they put little, make little pieces of paper and they stick it in the wall there at the Wailing Wall. I know you've seen it on the news if you've never been. Well, that's considered what was left, right, after the destruction of the temple. So it's kind of odd here that 95 A.D., the Apostle John is seeing a temple, but he's not just seeing a temple. Notice he says, measure the temple of God. It's called the temple of God too. Not the temple of the Antichrist, the temple of God. That's powerful. Okay. And the altar and those who worship there. So he's seeing the temple, he's seeing the altar, and he's seeing worship. Now this is why we believe. 
that the temple will be rebuilt in the end. It's part of the prophecies of what's going to take place. Without going to all the scriptures, we spent a lot of times on these scriptures when we talked about the abomination of desolation. At least you regular daybreak people, you remember we spent a lot of time on this. I mean, we, Jesus said in Matthew 24, he said, when you shall see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet, let him that readeth understand. What, what does Jesus, Yeshua, what's he telling us to do? Read the book of Daniel. If you remember, we looked at the book of Daniel. We looked at Daniel chapter 8, somewhere like verse 13. We looked at Daniel chapter 9, like verse 27. We looked at Daniel 11. We looked at Daniel 12. We looked at all these scriptures where the abomination of desolation is described about this end-time figure. Now, this end-time figure, uh, the type of him is Antiochus, Epiphanes, read about him in history, who desolated the temple, who stopped sacrifices and offerings. Now, the reason this is important is what they understood the abomination of desolation. The people living in the days of Jesus, in the days of Yeshua, his disciples, they understood, the Jews understood the abomination of desolation the way they thought what Daniel was writing about had already happened with Antiochus. Antiochus Epiphanes is how I say it. And he he desecrated the temple of God. The interesting thing is by the time of our Lord and the disciples, the temple had been cleansed and they were using it and worshiping there again. And yet the Lord says, when you shall see in the future the abomination of desolation. So history always repeats itself, and it gets worse and worse and worse on a bigger scale. Once you understand that, and there is a scripture for that, mm, I can't think of it, and my other half is not on the computer to help me. Uh, it says, the things which shall be are the things which have been, and there is no new thing under the sun. There's a, there's a circular motion to everything that happens. It comes back around again. comes back around again. It just gets bigger. Okay, so Jesus says what happened in the past, Jesus puts it into the future. Now, in the book of Thessalonians, also in the book of Thessalonians, 2 Thessalonians, we'll read this one scripture. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, when the apostle Paul is teaching about the return of the Lord, the gathering, the rapture of the church, the gathering together unto him that he talked about in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. He wrote 2 Thessalonians to talk about it more because that letter, some of the people quit working. If you read 2 Thessalonians, they quit working. They quit, they're quit. they like, oh, it's, it's right here. It's going to happen. So he writes 2 Thessalonians to tell the people, now listen, when I'm talking about the coming of the Lord and our gathering together unto him, don't be soon shaken by mind or by letter. Don't, don't, don't freak out over this, okay? That day shall not come. Well, that's how chapter 2 starts, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. Now, brethren, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together unto to him, the rapture, 
We ask you not to be soon shaken or mind or troubled, either by spirit or by word or by letter as from us, as though the day of Christ had come, like it's already happened, okay? Let nobody deceive you. Let nobody trick you. Don't let anybody change your view on this, okay? For that day will not come unless the falling away comes first and the man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition. We call him the Antichrist that, that makes the abomination of desolation. That day shall not come. The coming of the Lord Jesus, our gathering together unto him, will not happen, Paul said, until the falling away comes first and the man, the man of sin is revealed. That means he's unveiled and everybody sees him. We know who he is. I shared with you many times here on Daybreak, the abomination of desolation, We all, all the people of the book is going to know. We know that's him. We know. Till then, we can guess, we can speculate. But when that happens, we know. Now look at this. What is the man of sin going to do? Who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or that is worship. So that he sits as God, now look at this, in the temple of God, claiming or showing himself that he is God. Now that's why we say 70 AD was a partial fulfillment. Yes, the temple was destroyed. Some people believe all of this was fulfilled in 70 AD. The problem is, is you've got about 70% of the scriptures that talk about this time that wasn't fulfilled in 70 AD. And no one went into the temple and claimed deity and claimed that they were God. So you have to do serious spiritualizing and really moving scriptures around and saying they don't mean what they say to be able to make that fulfilled. Okay? For that didn't happen. He didn't come into the temple and declare deity and say that he is God. But the man of sin is going to. The one who is going to unify the world. The smooth talker is going to unify the world. This is why we believe. Because of these scriptures and, and Revelation chapter 11 verse 1. Because of this is why people like me or, or any futurist out there. This is why we say the temple is going to be rebuilt. The temple is going to be rebuilt. Because prophecy, the scripture says that there's going to be a temple in Jerusalem when the Antichrist, the Antichrist, comes on the scene. My belief is it's going to be built once he rises to power. He's going to be a man of peace. He's going to unify religions, okay? He's going to unify religions around him. He's really going to unify Judaism, Christianity, and Islam, but he's also going to pull in the Hindus too. Everybody's going to be looking to him as the greatest thing that's ever come upon this earth. What a what a unifier. What a man of peace this is. But it's all false. Jerusalem will rebuild the temple, I believe. Now, we get to Revelation. This is why anybody believes that believes there's going to be a rebuilt temple 
if they say, yes, there's going to be a rebuilt temple. Why? Well, mainly because of Revelation chapter 11. Because John sees in the future, after the destruction of the temple, John sees in the future the temple of God and people worshiping, which means it's been rebuilt. And what's being described here, going back to Revelation chapter 11, is that it's rebuilt, but the temple, but leave out the court which is outside the temple, do not measure it. It has been given to the Gentiles. They will tread the holy city underfoot 42 months. Now, this is what's important. We've already established or have tried to establish that the 42 months, the 1260 days, the times, time, times, and the dividing of time are all talking about the same time period. We call it the last three and a half years. When it says they will tread the holy city underfoot 42 months, this, this phraseology comes out of the Old Testament, and it's talking about, like from the book of Isaiah, it's talking about treading on grapes. It's when you would stomp grapes. You'd stomp grapes and bust the grapes, right? They're going to tread underfoot. So what we're reading here is the siege against Jerusalem by the Antichrist. Now remember, chapter 10, chapter 11, until the end of chapter 11, there's been a pause button pushed by the angels, and the angels are explaining what's going on. We, we see these chronological, if you don't, th this is what confused me for years, is not seeing the pause button, the explanations in the book of Revelation. This, this kept me confused in my younger days, because I was like, wait a minute, and it was throwing me off. Once I understood, once I come to the understanding that we've got these chronological sections and it's as if, as others have said, as if the angels say, okay, John, let me explain to you what's happening on earth, okay? So he's seeing the succession of this and it's like in the vision, he says, okay, now let me show you some more things that's going on. And so we see that chapter 11 is the siege of Jerusalem and the rise of the two witnesses, the siege of Jerusalem and the rise of the two witnesses. The Antichrist is moving into Jerusalem to declare deity. Remember, Paul says in 2 Thessalonians that he's going to exalt himself above all that is called God or that is worship, so that he, as God, sits in the temple of God, claiming himself to be God. So this man, the man of sin, the Antichrist, moves into the temple. He's going to declare godhood. He's going to exalt himself above all. There's going to be someone called the false prophet that's going to be showing signs and wonders as well that's going to cause people to flock to him, believe in him, bow down to him, and worship him. But at the same time, you have two powerful witnesses in Jerusalem that's going to witness like Moses and like Elijah. They're going to have the power of Moses and Elijah. There's no question about that. Also, we've learned that God is going to anoint 144,000 Jewish evangelists at this time, not counting the rest of whatever is going on. So it's going to be the worst of times, but it's also going to be one of the most powerful times for the saints of God who are battling this Antichrist kingdom.
So we'll leave off there. We'll take up tomorrow. Right there. Lord willing. Amen. I hope it's uh, interesting to you. And uh, it's very interesting to me. I, I love this. And we'll talk more about the two witnesses tomorrow. And we'll try to we'll try to dive into them, okay? Just a little bit. All right. Thank you for being here this morning. I really appreciate it. I love you guys. And thank you for being here each morning. Let's say the Lord's Prayer. And I've got to get out of here. Lisa and I have got to boat. Uh, but as I get on the road and I get signal, I'll look back. We'll be looking back at your comments and try to reply to you. All right. Let's say the Lord's Prayer together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen, amen, amen. Love you guys. Love you, love you, love you. See you, Lord willing, in the morning.